0: The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management.
1: Welcome to In the Psychologist's Chair with host Dr. Raymond Hamden. Our program will feature global guests joining Dr. Hamden for a psychological interview. And through their experiences, you will explore the human depth of understanding their purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Raymond Hamden.
2: I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, and you are in the psychologist's chair. Today's VIP guest is a very amazing person in the country of India, Dr. Lalit Penwar who was born in 1955 in a lovely little town called Bellatra. Now, interestingly, about his background, his education, his bachelor's degree is in biology, his master's degree is in zoology, and then he gets a Ph.D. in tourism. Today, he's the chairman and managing director of the Indian Tourism Development Corporation under the Ministry of Tourism in New Delhi. He's been there since April of 2010. Before that, he was the Principal Secretary to Government for School and Sanskrit Education in Jaipur. Before that, he was with Labor and Employment in Jaipur. Before that, he was the Principal Secretary to Government for Urban Governance Department. And before that, the Principal Secretary to Government in Urban Development and Housing Department, Also, Jaipur. He's been in a lot of places, including being the commissioner for the Jaipur Development Authority, and before that, he was in Mines and Petroleum Department. Before that, in Art and Cultural Department, and Director General of that same division in Jaipur. He's had many interesting activities. He's a troubleshooter. He's a startup man. He's putting India back on the map. Doctor Lalit. Noir, thank you so much for being in the psychologist chair today.
3: Good morning, Dr. Raymond. It's my privilege to be on this chair, and uh, I salute to all listeners to your popular program.
2: Thank you so much for being with us. Now, you're sitting right now in yeah. New Delhi, is that calling correct? calling from New Delhi. And I'm in Dubai. Yeah, yes. and I'm in Dubai, and our listeners are hearing a broadcast from... Phoenix, Arizona. It's amazing how far industry has come for media, electronic communications, not just transportation. The Indian population has played a key role in what we're able to do today because Indian students who majored in IT were able to help devise some of the most amazing programs for the Internet system. You have a lot of students today who are working very hard in Indian universities because India and its citizens are very invested in education. Now, you happen to be one of the people that was very, very instrumental in just that because before you took the job with the Ministry of Tourism, you were the Principal Secretary to Government for School and Sanskrit Education. And before that, you were the Principal Secretary to Government and Labor and Employment. I'd like for you to talk to us about India, its population, its value in education. What is the current situation today with India, the economic problem around the world? And how is India investing in education?
3: Dr. Raymond, as you know, India is uh, one of the major economies in the world. We are also uh, one of the largest countries in the world from the population point of view. Our government is investing billions of dollars in education sector. And as per the recent reports, there has been a quantum jump in literacy levels in India especially because of the expansion of educational network all over the country. Our students, especially in IT sectors, have done really very well. Indian companies now are working globally, especially in sectors like manufacturing, mining, IT, communication, tourism, and entertainment.
2: Let me just ask you something, Dr. Penwar. These students are all being educated in India, or are some of them being educated in Europe, the Americas, yeah. Australia? How is the distribution of education so, level Most
3: goes? of the Indian students, uh, they prefer to go to the United States for for education, followed by the uh, UK, and then other universities. Uh, but they are also in good numbers in our Indian universities, which we call them IIT, that is Indian Institute of Technologies. They are our premier training institute for what you call it the skilled highly highly professional technical manpower. Very large number of students are studying in US also. And uh,
2: Okay. And and most of them are yeah. majoring in IT? Yeah or medicine, or business? What are most of them majoring in when they leave India for an education? Yeah, so
3: most of the preferred subjects when the Indian students go to the U.S., uh, normally they offer IT, management, medicine, and now even for legal education, a lot of people are going. And uh, American universities attract thousands of students from India every year.
2: Those who major in law, are they understanding the application of studying law in the United States, in the United Kingdom, or in Australia, and able to apply it in India? Or when they return to India, they'll have to take further courses in the legal department of the universities or government to understand the legal situation of the Constitution of India? Uh, How After
3: graduating from American University in law, Uh, when they come back to India, uh, they have to do some internship with some seniors uh, practicing uh, legal uh, uh, advocates, barristers, so just to get a feel of the Indian law. But so far as the degrees are concerned, as other governments recognize the Indian university's degree, Indian governments also recognize the degree granted by the most of the American and universities and all the British universities, Austrian universities. So that's the kind of what we call the reciprocal recognition.
2: Now, there are some concerns going on in India right now. You have more yeah. than a billion people. Not everyone can afford to be put into an educational system. Unfortunately, there are children who have come victim to child labor law neglect. In just uh, April of 2011, there was an article about the Supreme Court banning the employment of children in circuses. What's going on in India with these children that are not in school? Is there any rules and regulations by the Supreme Court of the Constitution of India where children are required to have an education? Yes, the Government
3: of India has passed an Act of Parliament in the year 2009 And that act is known as RTE, that is Right to Education Act. Now, every child of India has a constitutional right to get a free and compulsory school education up to the age of 14.
2: So you have children who are being abused by employers. You have parents who are neglecting their children because the bench headed by Justice yeah. Delvir badati ruled that in order to protect the fundamental rights of students, it is imperative that the government issue a notification to prohibit employment of children in this sector. Are there any rules or regulations or punishment for parents who put their children in a neglected situation by forcing them to work and not get an education? Or is there also any regulations in India that will punish businesses for hiring children who are yes. under in
3: India we have an act called Prevention of Child Labour Act. As per that act, nobody can employ a child below the age of 18 years in any job, and that is an offense under the act. So, Government of India's act is a very powerful act and the labor officer can prosecute the employer and the employer can be sent to jail. Most of the parents given a choice a- most of the mm-hmm. parents yes, given a choice ahead. would like to send their children to school, but in some cases because of poverty and because of economic considerations, Sometimes they are not able to send and that's why Government of India's progressive decision of passing Right to Education Act and granting a constitutional right to the children of India, a right to education, I think it's a very progressive law and it will reduce the incidence of child labor and encourage parents to send their children to school because now school education will not only be compulsory but would
2: be free. So this constitutional yeah. amendment that is now an act prohibits both parents and employers from abusing children and neglecting the child yes. labor laws that you have put into practice now since 2009. Okay. We're going to be back in just a moment and we're going to be talking to Dr. Leilet Penwar of New Delhi, India about the children of India and where the children of India can be very productive or if neglected they can be very destructive. I've had the pleasure of visiting India several times and I was honored to be invited to Dr. Penwar's home and his office where we've had some very interesting conversations about this very topic. America has a very important interest in the important country of India and its important people. So do other people around the world have an interest in India and other nations. We're looking at one nation that made a great contribution to civilization and still will. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden. We'll be back.
4: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Do you know what a brat is? No, we're not talking about that kind of brat. Brat stands for British Regimental Attached Traveler. It was adopted by American culture after World War II when American military began long-term assignments at U.S. military installations worldwide. Learn about the brat culture, the lost tribe, by tuning in to BratCon Radio with host Dennis Campbell and associate producer and co-host Jerry Glass. There are almost 8 million living Brats. Hear from them and from guests who studied or examined them. Tune in Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel.
4: News. News, opinion, News. your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 472 5787 voiceamerica.com.
1: You are listening to In the Psychologist's Chair with Dr. Raymond Hamden and his featured guests. We'd love to hear from you via email at info at inthepsychologistchair.info. That email address again is info at inthepsychologistchair.info. Now, back to Dr. Raymond Hamden.
2: I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, and you're in The Psychologist's Chair. Today, our special guest, our VIP guest, is from New Delhi, India, Dr. Laila Penoir. Born 1955 in the lovely town of Bellatro. He has a bachelor's degree in biology, a master's degree in zoology, and he ended up with a doctor's degree in tourism. He currently is the chairman and managing director of the India Tourism Development Corporation, which is part of the Ministry of Tourism. Dr. Penwar, thank you very much for being on the show today. When we've had conversations before, you were very, very concerned about the children of India. Those who could fall victim to terrorism because they were vulnerable. They weren't able to finish school for whatever reason. Maybe there wasn't the kind of manpower at place at one time to save these children from recruitment of the bad guys. Recently, as back as 2009, India puts in an amendment to the Constitution. It's an act that in the United States, we called, No Child Left Behind. Back in the 70s, it was called Public Law 94142, where every child was required to have an education. And parents and employers could not abuse the situation and ignore child labor laws. India has had amazing contributions to civilization because it accentuated education for many, many centuries. And today, it's no different because of people like Dr. Penwar. Dr. Penwar, I want you to address that issue, the concern about your youth today. What is India as a government? What are the people of India doing about their youth who could be vulnerable to bad things?
3: Uh, Dr. Raymond, as you know, uh, our prime minister is an economist of a very high reputation, uh, Dr. Manmohan Singh, our Honorable Prime Minister, uh, since he is from the economics background, he has set an agenda for the Indian people and from the Indian government that we have to impart a skill to our youth, the skill which can get them jobs, the skills which can make them employable, and... He is now chairman of what we call as the National Skill Development Mission. And uh, in association with government agency, most of the big players in private industry have been roped in. And the target is that 500 million Indian youths should be given skill education in coming years to make them employable so that they don't fall prey to the negative elements, and they can contribute to the wealth creation, they can contribute to the development of the economy, and they can be given a positive direction to their energy. So vocational and school education are our national priorities now.
2: How many children do you believe, in numbers that is, are vulnerable at this time?
3: Uh, well, the. Indian population, as you know, is now has some very healthy growth trends. We have been able to convince Indian families that let's go for not very large number of children in a family and let us plan our family so that we can provide good education to them. We can provide good opportunities for them to grow. Uh, so that's why we had our census in 2011 and the figures which have come out of the decadal census and they are quite promising in the sense that there's been a quantum jump in literacy levels, reduction in child labor, and there is a growing awareness amongst Indian population that they should plant their family and send the children to schools so that they become employable and they are able to pursue a good career and the uh, government of India's priority are also designed for the overall economic development of our country, especially the children and amongst the children the female child or the girl child.
2: Now what about the numbers? Are you looking at more than a hundred million that might be vulnerable, who India needs to address directly.
3: Well, exact number uh, difficult to say, but well, we are a population of over a thousand million, and uh, the most difficult part would be say it, it could be between say fifty million upwards.
2: So you have quite a number. Do you have the manpower of people who are educated in psychology, medicine? or the various fields of education that might be able to do remediation, yes, skills yes. building, talent development, human capital resourcing. Do you have that yes. available that way, in India?
3: Dr. Raymond, uh, you'll be happy to know, and I would like to share with my friends from America and, and all the listeners, that so far as educated, technical, concern, we concern, better off than many other countries we have one of the largest pool of technically trained people scientifically trained people india has got even today more than two million teachers all over the country number of scientists number of doctors number of engineers they are so much there are so many that Quite a good number of trained technical manpower from India they are getting jobs in other countries. India is one of the you can say a major provider of scientific and technical manpower, not only to America but also to many countries in Europe and also in u k So that's way I can say
2: there's many countries around
3: sorry. Uh, I can say that there is no lack of good doctors, good engineers, good teachers, good management experts, and good manpower, which can take care of our children, to educate them, to give them skills, and to make them responsible and good citizens.
2: So you believe that the manpower that is available, the educated manpower that does exist already in India, and those who are expatriates that could return to India to help, are going to be elevating the talent level with their support of the people yes, of their I own country. I believe so.
3: And uh, officially, the government of India is now spending a lot of money, uh, almost 3 to 4% of the GDP on education.
2: That's an amazing amount of money, but it's also an amazing population yeah. that you have there. How difficult is it to educate the parents, the family members, in the need to have their children who may have been dropouts because they suffer from a learning disorder that no one understood, or maybe they have challenges like mental retardation or that they're slow learners, or maybe there are students who may have been bullied or students that had behavioral problems or emotional problems. I'm sure you must have professionals in your qualified institutions and hospitals and various private clinics to identify these situations. But let's talk about the parents. When the parents may be the problem, is India investing in any kind of parent education to uplift the dynamics of the family to help those children get what they deserve from the national educational assistance system that you're putting in place?
3: Well, it's a very good question. My compliment to you for uh, posing a very, very thought-provoking question. We have two streams of education, Dr. Ehrman. One is formal. That is a formal stream of education where you have the schools, the colleges, and the institutions, vocational and all. We have another system of what we call is the non-formal or informal education. Government of India have launched a massive campaign to educate those who could not attend the school in their childhood and who have now become parents. And they were kind of left out of the main educational stream. So there's a massive program which has been undertaken under the title of Alliterate India. In Hindi, we call it Sakshar Bharat. To ensure that all those people, all those parents who were left out should also be formally educated. And not only that, our teachers, when they are being trained in their academic curriculum, the degree of like Bachelor of Education or the school teacher certificates, there are inputs on parent psychology, the child psychology, and how parents should take care of those children who are physically challenged or who are mentally challenged or who have special needs. And we have some experts who can help them. Uh, We have some what you call clinical psychologists, doctors, teachers who are specially trained to take care of special children. And parents are motivated to consult the experts so that if The child has some problem. They can be taken care of by the professionals.
2: So you certainly have educated your new generation of professionals around the world and in India. Some of the finest schools do exist there. And you have students who are becoming quite worldly. India is not foreign to the world. It's actually part of the world's major development in recent years and has been very instrumental in taking care of a lot of systems that might not be affordable other places. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden. We're talking with Dr. Leilat Penwar of India, who happens to be, right now, the chairman and managing director of the India Tourism Development Corporation. And the reason I said right now, he's developing so fast, moving all places in government. We're going to be back with him in just a moment.
0: on the Voice America Sports Network.
1: Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, From global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green.
4: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: You are listening to In the Psychologist's Chair with Dr. Raymond Hamden and his featured guests. We'd love to hear from you via email at info at inthepsychologistchair.info. That email address again is info at inthepsychologistchair.info. Now, back to Dr. Raymond Hamden.
2: Dr. Layla Penwar is in The Psychologist's Chair. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, and we're back for this segment when we're talking with Dr. Penwar about education, the Indian people, and the wonderful country of india that so many have not visited yet but should do so dr penwar happens to be the chairman and managing director of the india tourism development corporation in new delhi with the ministry of tourism before that he's had quite a few remarkable positions as the startup man and the troubleshooter moving into various departments of government to help reorchestrate a nation that has had such remarkable history of civilization contributions and is returning to do so. Dr. Penwar, you started off in biology, then you went to zoology, and then you ended up with a doctor's degree in tourism. It sounded like you might have been a medical school hopeful early in the game.
3: Yes, sir. I wanted to join the medical stream, but uh, I could not clear the entrance exam, so I changed my uh, career option and went for the Indian civil
2: service. Was the sciences like biology and zoology something that you enjoyed, or was it something that your parents said you have to become a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer to be a serious student?
3: Partly it was parental desires that I should become a doctor. So I started studying biology, but since I could not clear the entrance exams, so I had to change the track.
2: So your endeavor to help change educational mandate in India is really not just academic for you. It's a personal experience that you've had where many people will require that their children do certain tasks for family prestige or family income in the future, but maybe the child or the student at that time didn't have the aptitude for it. And you're a perfect example of that. Your parents wanted you to go into the sciences but you may not have had the aptitude, even though you had the intelligence to do it, you just didn't have the aptitude or the interest of doing it. So you ended up in tourism. How did you end up in tourism? What was it that led you into a doctor's degree in tourism?
3: Since I could not make the grade for doctor's degree, then I graduated in biology, and then I joined Indian Civil Service, where the government of my state, that is Rajasthan, uh, gave me a chance to head the Department of Tourism as member of the Indian Civil Service, at Indian Administrative Service. So I worked as the head of Department of Tourism, Government of Rajasthan, for five years. Since I had the background of science, then I thought that it's a very interesting subject, and tourism is one of the fastest-growing industries in the world, and I like the subject, And being from the family of very culturally uh, sound people, then I chose this subject to be area of specialization. And in the year 1998, I completed my doctoral thesis on ecotourism. And this is how I decided to become uh, a very keen student of tourism, having worked in this department for almost eight years in my government of Rajasthan.
2: And you're also the author, or one author, in Palace on Wheels, A Royal Train Journey yeah. Through Rajasthan. Tell us about your book that was published in 2006. Yes, yeah,
3: Palace on Wheels, as you know, is an exit train, and it is very popular with international tourists. So I was the managing director when we started this train in 1992. It became very popular, so I, along with my two co-authors, We decided to print a coffee table book on palace on wheels, how this train was made, and what was the concept, and how the royal legacy of the forts and palaces of Rajasthan, the rich culture of Rajasthan and India, could be showcased to our international tourists coming from America, UK, Europe, and all major countries. And this is how we got this book published, which has been very well received.
2: You have many visitors from the Middle East who go to India because at one time India had a very, very strong influence, especially on the Arab Gulf states. And you still have a lot of people who speak Hindi, Urdu, and are very, very impressed and influenced by the Indian people in their various professions. There are people from the Middle East who go to India for medical attention. There are people in India who come to the UAE to visit because they have business relations here. There seems to be a very, very movable country called India, but unfortunately not too many people know about it because the marketing hasn't reached the same level yet as it once had been in the past. But tourism is because of your particular guidance, even in just one year. Because the tourism in India has already started showing signs of early recovery from the impact of this global economic meltdown in that even in December 2009, tourists arrived, grew 21%, registering a growth of over 8% over the arrivals in 2007, the same month, December. It even became higher. So regardless of the economic problems that are going on around the world, India hasn't really suffered as far as tourism. 21% growth is pretty remarkable between 2007 and 2009. You must have done a very, very amazing job to make sure that people know that India is the place to go visit. What is it that you tell people what is it that you do in your tourism industry, your hotel industry that makes India one of the best places to go visit?
3: Oh, well, we have been very lucky in the sense that uh, despite the global meltdown, Indian economy somehow managed to survive and there was no major uh, crisis, so to say. Uh, because for two reasons. Number one, Indians have a basic habit of saving. They don't spend large sums and they are not extravagant. Number two, Indians are quite hardworking and very, very enterprising. You'll find Indians working all over the world in almost every country. Number three, Government of India, Ministry of Tourism, Started a global campaign and branded India in the tourism market as Incredible India. We had very aggressive marketing and publicity drive in United States, in Europe, in UK, and all those countries, even in Middle East like Arabian Travel Mart, Ministry of Tourism takes very interest a very active part. So because of this. Good marketing, publicity, and the fact that India was not really under the economic meltdown. People were all all over the country and from all over the world. And because of the India's economic clout and uh, the image which we could project through our information technology professionals, management graduates, doctors, and engineers. So most of our source market country, people thought, "Let us see India, which has been able to survive the global meltdown, which has so many interesting things to offer, and a history of more than 5,000 years, culturally very rich, and especially our aggressive marketing in USA UK and Europe helped, and we registered this phenomenal growth rate despite the economic meltdown.
2: Most people who think of India, particularly in the United States, would think of going to Delhi because they want to see the Taj Mahal, Fort Red. They may want to see where Gandhi was cremated. Now, you also have an area called Kerala, where the language is Malayalam. And there you have some amazing places to go except during monsoon season, of course. And you have a lot of Americans who go there that actually have residents to visit when they're there. How popular are these places even today during this particular kind of economic problem? And are there other places that are becoming just as popular, like Rajasthan, which is known for its colors and its got an enchanting royal journey that you talk about in Palace on Wheels. The elephant ride, the camel ride, the places to shop, the bazaars, the amazing hotels, so much that people don't even know about. But you have major states. Now, how many, are there 37 states or 35 states in India? I can't remember the exact number. Yes,
3: the exact number of states in India we have is 28 states.
2: Oh, 28 states. I beg your pardon. I was just adding a few more, hoping I'd have more places to visit, I'm sure. Now, when you talk about these 28 states, do each one of them have distinct kinds of tourist attractions?
3: Like uh, you're talking about Kerala. Kerala is very popular amongst American and European tourists for natural beauty, for Ayurvedic treatment, for... uh, what we call as like the wood sea beaches and uh, overall natural beauty of Kerala is attracting thousands of tourists. Similarly, if you go to
2: so you have yeah. a lot of places to go. It's you have York. a lot of places to go in India, and there's many places to go that you could never do it in one week or two-week vacation. Yeah. You have to make special trips there. Now, I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, and I'm talking with Dr. Leila Penwar, who is in New Delhi, and he happens to be the chairman and managing director of the India Tourism Development. You need to hear this, folks. India might just be a great place to visit. We'll be right back.
1: is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety.
4: Would you like to improve your emotional balance and mental performance? Of course, everyone would like to achieve that state of balance and be at the top of their game. But where do you start? Tune in to My Mind, My Health with your host, Dr. Vernon Barksdale. Dr. Barksdale has spent over 30 years researching and implementing strategies to impact health and well-being. Take a journey into the science behind how we feel and experience life and the transcendent aspects of that experience via connection to our spiritual side. Tune in Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. News. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: You are listening to In the Psychologist Chair with Dr. Raymond Hamden and his featured guests. We'd love to hear from you via email at info at in That email address again is info at in Now back to Dr. Raymond Hamden.
2: Dr. Raymond Hamden. We're back in the psychologist's chair with Dr. Laylat Penwar, born 1955, in a beautiful little town called Bellotra. And there, he was raised and educated to where he is today, the chairman and managing director of India Tourism Development. First degree was in biology, second degree, zoology. But his real passion was not the sciences, it was actually tourism, where he got his doctorate's degree. He's the author of Palace on Wheels, a royal train journey through Rajasthan. Dr. Penwar, welcome back to the last segment of today's show. One of the remarkable things about your history that makes you our VIP guest and also a VIP man in demand in India is that you are the startup man. You are the troubleshooter. You seem to have a gift for turning wood into gold, so to speak. Talk to us a little bit about the ITDC, what that stands for, and what is the mission that you put together to make the expansion of tourism in India one of the most amazing objectives for the country.
3: Thank you, Dr. Ramond. ITDC stands for India Tourism Development Corporation, and our job is to create tourism infrastructure all over the country, promote India to the global travelers so that they can come and visit this beautiful country. We also run hotels, but gradually now we are withdrawing because we want private sector to come forward, and they have come forward in a big way. But our job is basically promotion and development of tourism infrastructure and market India to the world, organize the roadshows, organize the media blitz, And when people come here, ensure that they get a good quality experience when they come to India as tourists. Because tourism is generating very large avenues for employment of the youth of this country. And historically, we are very rich. Culturally, we are very rich. So world tourism, when they come to India, world travelers, basically they come to visit India as a cultural destination, land of multilingual, multi-ethnic, And it's a a culture part where so many cultures coexist together, so many religions coexist together peacefully and very, very uh, symbiotically. That is my job.
2: Dr. Penwar, your, your core competence, your area of specialty includes management of heritage and culture and ecotourism. Now, you're a visiting faculty member in the Netherlands as well as in your own country. With an institute on travel and tourism as well as the national academy of administration where you have faculty experience and teaching with the institute of hotel management i'm going to ask you something that may be a little bit sensitive but i think it's important for the world to know what's going on with the caste system of india does everybody there have an opportunity to work in your industry as well as get educated in other industries? Or does there seem to still be some issues with caste system that India had historically suffered in the past?
3: Uh, Dr. Raymond, uh, well, now the walls are collapsing. The caste system that you are talking about, it used to be very strong in, say, the 20th century and 19th century. No longer in 21st century. Thanks to the efforts of people of India, government of India and the state governments, spread of education, spread of economic prosperity, and rapid process of urbanization, you'll find that the cash, of course it is there, but it is not hampering growth. It is not creating barriers, and irrespective of the caste, now Indians are free to pursue any careers, go to any stream of education. There is no discrimination on caste or on community lines. On the contrary, our government of India encourages the students from economically weaker sections and those castes which could not get education earlier because of the discrimination in 19th century or in 20th century now they are provide, government of india is providing lots of incentives scholarships and other things so that students from all the castes can get chance to get educated and pursue their good careers and good dreams
2: doctor penwar do you believe that the movie slum dog millionaire was not an accurate picture of what's going on in India even today?
3: Well, that uh, Slumdog Millionaire was, I would say, just a peripheral kind of a scratching the surface. The reality is much better than what was portrayed. It is one slum in Mumbai, but there are huge number of what you call the pockets of prosperity. We don't deny that we don't have slums, but at the same time, For every slum that you have, we have hundreds of posh colonies, beautiful city landscape. So they coexist because there are two extremes. We have high-end citizens, you have, of course, incidents of poverty. But I think slum-dog, millennial kind of uh, movies, they have their own viewpoints. We don't deny, but at the same time, things are much brighter, much, uh, you can say, uh, forward-looking, than what they are supported in the Bollywood blockbusters because obviously their aim is to make money and not inform correctly.
2: Certainly, India has a lot more positive things and positive people than what was portrayed in that movie. And as you are indicating, the movie may portray a small portion of what could happen. I know that India also is quite invested in forensic medicine, forensic psychology, law enforcement to stop bad systems of business from encouraging and abusing those kinds of problems that go on that were portrayed in that movie. Do you believe that they're becoming less that the Indian government, the law enforcement of India, is effective in stopping these things? Yes,
3: I believe uh, because now there are laws, is, uh, Indian laws are so strict, especially when it comes to the drugs and... Uh, uh, child uh, abuse or for that matter all those offenses that uh, if uh, somebody is caught with drugs then uh, there he years in jail and, and no bail will be granted
2: okay now dr penwar let me let me interrupt you just because we only have about 30 seconds left and i want to say something because of my work in clinical and forensic psychology and so that i've had the opportunity to consult in political psychology i do get to meet some wonderful people from around the world who I look at them and talk to my colleagues and say, this person definitely will go far. You happen to be one of those people. You have moved India in every position that you've been asked to handle for your government. Do you believe, as your friends do, that you one day can be prime minister of your own country?
3: No, I don't believe.
2: Why would you not do that?
3: I have no such aspirations and no such background because I'm very happy as a member of the Indian Civil Service. And once I complete my innings, uh, I'll work in tourism sector uh, as a scholar of tourism and I have no political ambitions of becoming prime minister
2: of this great country. Dr. Penwar, thank you very much. God bless you, and we look forward to meeting again in the psychologist's chair.
3: Thank you, Dr. Raymond. I enjoyed talking to you, and uh, I send it to all your listeners. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you again for joining us this week for In the Psychologist's Chair. Please join Dr. Raymond Hamden for another edition next Tuesday at 9 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we speak again, hope you enjoy your
3: week.